particular word of welcome to those of you who are new here this morning. My name is Alex. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and we are thrilled if you're joining us here for the very first time, uh, especially if this is your first time ever or first time in a long time in a church setting. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're here, whether you're in person or online. What we're all about is connecting, connecting people to God, connecting people to each other so we can engage our world for good together. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here uh, this morning, if you are a guest with us or new, we are uh, midway through a series called On Wisdom, The Way of Wisdom. And the problem that we're tackling in this series is this, that it's never been more complicated to be a human being than right here, right now. You've got more stuff pulling at you, more things kind of vying for your attention, more information and misinformation, more options than ever before. And the result is sort of our world feels overwhelmed, kind of flooded. People are anxious and angry. There's just a whole lot going on. It's never been more complicated to be a human being than right here, right now. The way of wisdom cuts through the clutter, cuts through the noise. It brings order out of that chaos and it puts things in place. It brings us people, makes us people of peace. It's not safe. We've been saying this throughout the series that if you follow the way of wisdom, it might take you places you'd rather not go. It might push you to have conversations you'd rather not have. It might force you to deal with issues and character issues, things inside of you that you might rather not deal with. It can take you to all kinds of places that might be challenging, but the way of wisdom is good. Full of God, full of the Spirit, full of the life he made you for. It is a blessing to you and all those around you if you're willing to walk in God's way of wisdom. So today is Mother's Day. Moms, happy Mother's Day. Hope that you are celebrated. You have some, we have one of the hardest jobs on the planet to be a mom, and the pay is not that great. And in a world where value is almost entirely associated with dollar amounts, right? Like we pay people what we think that they're worth. Just know that like motherhood is something that isn't always as celebrated as it ought to be and could be and should be. And so I, I hope and pray today that you know that you're beloved by God that you are loved by people around you, and I hope and pray that you are celebrated in whatever your celebration love language is, whether that's a big, ginormous lunch, or just give me a few minutes on my own for crying out loud, which is what some of your love languages are. And for some of you, today, as always, these days can be hard days. Some of you, uh, Mother's Day is a hard day. Maybe you've lost your mom recently. Maybe you have a complicated or strained relationship with your mom or with your grown kids. Maybe you wanted to be a mom and you couldn't be for whatever reason. And so for those of you for whom today is a hard day, I'm praying for you, thinking about you, that you might know the grace and mercy of Christ on a day that can be hard for some of us. Well, given that today is Mother's Day, we wanted to highlight the fact that as we're talking about wisdom, throughout Proverbs especially, wisdom is personified as a woman. Uh, Lady wisdom is a significant character in the Old Testament and that shapes much of the Jewish understanding for thousands of years and including all the writers of the New Testament. All the writers of the New Testament had this category of kind of lady wisdom, wisdom as a woman. And now this is really important and sort of surprising given how women were thought of in the ancient world, even in the kind of even in the Jewish context, right, that we've talked about before how women were not even uh, allowed to give uh, bear witness or kind of give evidence in the court of law, right, that women weren't even trusted in the court of law, even though the Jews had a, a page, uh, the first page of the Bible, their scripture said that both men and women were created in the image of God, even though they had that scripture, that truth, that women still weren't treated equitably, and yet the character of wisdom is sort of personified as a woman. This was uh, something that 
was sort of sowed the seeds for what was to come. Because eventually, both Jews and Christians looked at page one of the Bible and said, hey, men and women are all created in the image of God. And so what, what, began, what began the rights, uh, the push for women's rights and women's equality all started from Genesis 1, 2, and 3 by Christians who said, we've got to live this out more faithfully. Now, there's a whole lot of gaps in that. There's a whole lot of things that have gone sideways in that. But you can see the difference in the, in the cultures that have been built on the Judeo-Christian worldview and those who haven't. Where women are treated more, more, more valued, have more freedoms, have more options in cultures that have been shaped by the Judeo-Christian biblical worldview than those who have not. And so we celebrate that even the women in our country who hate the Bible, hate Jesus, hate Christians, have been blessed by Jesus. And blessed by Christians, just like Jesus called us to. And yet, many of us Christians don't also still struggle with believing that women's voices are as important. And there's a whole lot of room to roam. There's a lot more of growth that we need to have as a, as a culture and even as a church and being able to listen to the voice of women. So t- today we just want to sit under the wisdom of, uh, of lady wisdom. We want to look at how wisdom is personified in the Proverbs as, as a woman and sort of receive her wisdom, receive her guidance, receive her grace because we live in the most complicated time it's ever been to be a human being in human history. And lady wisdom speaks with a beautiful voice inviting us all into the path of wisdom that bears the fruit of peace and goodness in our lives. Now, there's lots of passages where lady wisdom is personified. It talked about uh, given the voice of wisdom. Here's Proverbs chapter 9. We'll sit in this for most of the morning. Proverbs 9 verse 1 says this. Wisdom has built her house. She set up its seven pillars. She's prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She also has set her table. She has sent out her servants and calls. She calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food, drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will live, walk in the way of insight. Well, on Mother's Day weekend, I've got a crazy thing going on in my family. Hold up, my, my niece is graduating, and uh, my parents aren't down. So, mom, right here, front center. Mom, happy Mother's Day, mom. Glad you're here. Thank you. Uh, my mom, uh, my mom does something that only a mother would do. So she listens to my messages every Sunday. So check, mom, done for this week. Good. And then when she gets done, she goes back and listens to all my old sermons over and over and over again for a year. Years and years of wisdom, but only a mother would do that. Only a mother would endure my voice uh, day in and day out. So one of, the, one, of, now one, one of the many things that my mother taught me as a child, me and my brother, was to make sure that we had good domestic skills on our resume for any potential future brides. We were taught how to do laundry, how to iron, uh, basic cooking, kind of dishes, vacuuming, right? We were going to have a decent resume. My mom knew I was not much to look at. I was going to need all the help I could get, right? So the very first time my mom met my then-girlfriend, Kelly, she knew I had way, way, way outstripped my coverage. She was way out of my league. So my mom eagerly, first time they met, rattled off my resume that she had taught me. He could cook, he could clean, he could do all these other things. This summer, we will celebrate 25 years of marriage, and I have, yes, that's a big, good thing, and I have my mom to thank for all 25 of those years. In the ancient world, right, so women, women were seen, uh, uh, particularly around sort of the house, right, and the domestic world, right, that's, that, and you see in this passage how there, there's a, a bunch of sort of household things at the beginning of it that wi- lady wisdom is in charge of, or that she does, and there's some expected things that Lady Wisdom would do, and there's some unexpected things that Lady Wisdom would do, but the, but the house of wisdom was a place where formation happened, particularly for kids, just like my mom taught me some important things. Lady Wisdom taught her children sort of character, 
taught, taught, taught our children the, the scriptures, the Torah, taught them kind of the way to live, the way to sort of behave, the way to be in polite society, but also how to love God, love all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, just like the scriptures taught. And so as Lady Wisdom in Proverbs 9 gets personified, there's some expected things that she does around the house, and there's some unexpected things that she does around the house. And the first thing that she does is completely unexpected. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. Like, wisdom doesn't, Lady Wisdom doesn't just work in the house. She builds the house out of her bare hands. This is men's work in the ancient world. And yet here, Lady Wisdom is the one doing the house construction. She's building it. Now, there's all kinds of speculation about this, what the seven pillars mean. Could it be seven days of creation, that kind of thing. But there's a lot of other guesses that no one actually knows. But here's the core thing. Wisdom, Lady Wisdom in the scriptures, when she's personified, she goes to work getting her hands dirty. She builds the house herself. She's building this place where people can come and grow up into her wisdom. If you're new here, you might not know that we've just been in this building for about a year and a half. We got in here Christmas Eve 20. 22 and that was a long long drawn out process we we found the land fall of 2016 to christmas eve 2022 is a long arduous process and michelle stith was the one who project led the whole thing she, she directed the project she was she worked super hard with our internal teams to work on sound and lighting and spaces and what our different departments needed but michelle also represented us to the builder and to the construction guys. And the first day that she walked on site to meet the guy who was going to be the, the construction guy, the site supervisor, the foreman for the project, she walked up to him. And he said to her with kind of quizzical eyes, and you are? The implication being, you can't be the one who's doing this project, right? Because you're a woman. He didn't say that. And he was a nice guy. He wasn't going to say that. But little did he know, he was meeting the marvelous Michelle Stith. And over the course of the next several months, she worked so hard with so much wisdom to work with our builders to make sure that any problems that came up, we worked through them. Sometimes she challenged them because things weren't being done right. Sometimes she helped solve problems. Sometimes she just cheered them on. And over months and months and months of working together, they sort of totally, totally, when it was all said and done, all those dudes respected her for the hard work she had put in. And at the end of it, because we had, because she had worked so wisely to help build this place, she helped build a house that was built by wisdom, built wisely. We had good relationships with everybody that we worked with, in part because of our teams working so well with all these external vendors. We had a house that was built on wisdom for the sake of wisdom. There's joy in the house of the Lord. We built this house for the sake of furthering God's wisdom in the world, that we might grow up into wisdom. We built a house by wisdom, for the sake of wisdom, that God's kingdom might come, God's will might be done in Chatham County and beyond as it is in heaven. We built a house wisely for the sake of wisdom, and it was a woman that helped coordinate all that. Lady Wisdom goes to work building a house. She, she builds the pillars. Now, I'm not sure if Michelle, like, forged the steel out of the beams. I don't think she did that. But she wisely shepherded this project through for the sake of wisdom being poured out into our community. The home is a place of formation and is the thing that God moves in and works in. So Lady Wisdom builds her house. That's the place where the scene starts, right? A domestic scene, but it's not expected in the ancient world. And then it pivots to a more expected scene. Here's a more typical sort of role that women would play in the ancient world. She gets the meat together. She throws a party, prepares the feast. She's preparing the wine. She's Getting the meat together, that's a labor-intensive and expensive project. Uh, mixing the wines, usually meant there were spices mixed in with it. This is a big feast. Lady Wisdom knows how to set the table for a party. 
how to invite people to grow up into her wisdom, to know her wisdom. So in these first couple of lines, you've got Lady Wisdom who builds the house from scratch, who kind of gets things in place, and then she sets the table for wisdom. The house is built wisely for the sake of feeding people wisdom. And we're going to talk more about this next week, but it just begs the question, a couple of questions I have for you as we get started this morning. Question number one, what is your house built of and built for? God's wisdom or something less? What's your house built on and built for? Whether you're single, married, married with no kids, married with little kids, married with grown kids, no matter what, what is your house built of and built for? Is it built of and for God's wisdom being known, being celebrated, being learned, because we're, we're all on a journey together of growing up into wisdom, or is it built on and for something less than God's wisdom? So many of our houses, just if you look at how construction has changed, even the, the, the design of houses, they used to have a lot of front porches and different kind of spaces, and now the spaces have all moved to the backyards, and it's all about entertainment centers, right? So, so many of our houses, if your house is built in the last 10 years, the most important thing is you and your comfort and convenience and an entertainment center, right? Some of you have, have a giant garage that, with a house accidentally attached to it, because that's all you really care about is the, is the workspace. Some of you have a giant kitchen with a house accidentally attached to the giant kitchen, because that's what you care most about. Some of you just have a giant basement entertainment center with surround sound, and the rest of the house is like, whatever. Nothing wrong with any of those things. Most important thing, God. God's wisdom. Is your house built on and for God's wisdom to be known, explored, loved? Is your house built for the sake of God's wisdom being developed and matured into this. Today, Mother's Day, 2023, can you put a stake in the ground and say, you know what, from here on out, my house, my household, I want it to be built on God's wisdom and for God's wisdom. That this, the point of this space is that we might grow up into becoming men and women who know the wisdom of God, the truth of God, the love of God, that we might mature into that space. Lady Wisdom shows us practically what that might look like. She sets the table. She puts food out that is wise. She invites people to consume what is true. So here's my question. How might you serve and consume more wisdom in your house? How might you serve and consume more wisdom in your house? Lady Wisdom sets the, the, the stage with food and wine. How might you mature into this? What information are you already consuming? Is it wise? What cable news stations do you watch? Is it full of God's wisdom, truths? What TV shows, what music, what books, what movies? What are you doing? What are you already consuming? Is there God's wisdom mixed into all of that? Nothing wrong with those things, but is there God's wisdom that's sort of helping you to discern what's true, what's right, what's good? Entertainment, nothing wrong with that. But you can, as one author puts it, you can amuse yourself to death. You can be distracted and bored in an age of entertainment. We can be so distracted, so bored, and you can numb yourself to the things that are the most true, the most good, the most important. You're just dulled because you're just nibbling off entertainment that sort of keeps you dulled and numb. What conversations are you having and not having? Are you furthering? Are you inviting people? Are you inviting people, inviting your spouse, inviting your kids into the way of wisdom? Are you cultivating a way of wisdom? Does your budget reflect wisdom's priorities or just the priorities of the average American consumer? How and where do you spend your household's time? You can, here's how you know if your household is built by wisdom and for wisdom. You can see what's setting the table. How are you spending your time? What kind of conversations are you having or not having? What kind of things are you consuming along the way? 
and is God's wisdom at the center of all that, bringing order out of that chaos, helping you to sort of navigate all those challenges and all the things that are coming at you over and over again. Wouldn't it be a wonderful description of your house? Wouldn't it be a wonderful description of your house if you could say, our house is built by God's wisdom for the sake of God's wisdom? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Just God's wisdom is what's shaping you, shaping your kids, shaping your marriage, shaping your budget, shaping how you filter what you do or don't watch, shaping how you kind of decide your time, shaping how you serve in the house and outside the house. Because, listen, it's never been more complicated to be a human being than right here, right now. Wouldn't it be great to have God's wisdom shaping and organizing and bringing order, not in a way that's stifling, but in a way that creates flourishing, that enables people, enables you to become the man, woman God designed for you to be in the context of a community that we serve and bear fruit, bless and love and serve other people. In the opening, opening few lines, you got Lady Wisdom. She builds the house, very unexpected. She sets the table, prepares the feast, a little bit more expected of a woman in the ancient world. And then she does another unexpected thing as she gets ready to throw this party. Here's what she does. Proverbs 9, we read this earlier, that she sends out her servants. They call from the highest point in the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. Let those who have no sense call me my food. Drink the wine that I have mixed. Several months ago, uh, Rachel Matthews and her incredibly team of people here at Chatham Community Church threw a dinner for 200 people. We had our annual volunteer appreciation in February. We always do this in February. We invited, we had like 225, 250 wonderful volunteers that helped make Chatham Community Church happen. There's no way church happens apart from all the effort and energy of so many volunteers. So we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. So we invited everyone to come. Free meal. We're going to do some a celebration. We're going to have some fun. We're going to do a little bit of inspiration just to say thank you. So Rachel and her team spent weeks and weeks and weeks planning this super elaborate meal. And they threw this giant party. You can see the pictures there. There were M&Ms that said thank you on them. That's how detailed it was. If you're not yet volunteering, you want to volunteer sometime between now and February just to come to this meal because it was awesome. And we felt pretty good about the fact that we're inviting over 200 people to come and celebrate and be, and, and be glad of what God was doing in our community. We felt pretty proud of the fact that we were doing all this work for 200 people. We're just going to give a free meal and that kind of thing. But Lady Wisdom puts, to sh puts us to shame. Because she does all this work and does all this labor, sets her table. And here's what you do if you're wealthy, if you have servants, if you can prepare a big meal. If you're a wealthy person in the ancient world, do you know who you invite to your feast and celebration? Other wealthy people. Other people who have means, maybe your family, but all their friends, your small circle of wealthy people. You know who Lady Wisdom invites? Everybody. All y'all. But especially uh, the, the people who don't know. She sends her servants out to the highest point in the city. That's where the voices will carry the most, right? You go out to the highest point in the city, your voice carries over the whole city. And, and the servants, they cry out. Everyone's invited, especially those of you who are simple, especially those of you who are foolish. Come, come, come to my house. Come and see. Come and learn wisdom's ways. The servants go and invite everyone. Lady Wisdom does all the work and then declares it's available to all the people. Lady Wisdom does all the work and then declares, hey, it's open and available for everyone to come and see. Wisdom isn't hiding it's not ducking. It's not hard to find. Wisdom is available to all people. But here's the, here's the catch. It does require that you learn it. Right? Wisdom's not necessarily intuitive or obvious. Sometimes the wise decision is a thing that you wouldn't have thought of. You have to learn wisdom. Wisdom has to be acquired and accumulated. We have to go and learn wisdom. But, but it's available. It's not hiding. And here's the thing. One of the things that wisdom does, if wisdom is calling out to the whole city, one of the challenges is you have to leave other houses to come eat at her house. 
you have to be willing to leave lesser things in order to come and learn Lady Wisdom's priorities. You have to be willing to let wisdom interrupt your daily life and come and learn from her. You have to be willing to submit to her. You have to be willing to say, hey, that's wisdom. I'm going to let that reshape my priorities, my values. I'm going to let wisdom reshape how I'm living, how I'm behaving, how I'm acting. I'm going to let Lady Wisdom instruct me in her ways and reshape my life according to the ways of wisdom. But it's open, it's available. No way put this is, wisdom isn't, wisdom isn't hidden, it's just hard. Wisdom's not hidden, it's just hard. It's hard to be consistently wise when wisdom sometimes requires you facing things you'd rather not face. It's hard to be consistently wise when wisdom sometimes requires you dealing, forgiving someone you'd rather not forgive. Wisdom, sometimes hard. <laughs> When it requires short-term sacrifices for longer-term gains. Wisdom isn't hidden. It's just hard. But here's the catch. The consequences of not living wisely are far worse. You decide to put off wisdom. Other things are going to be what you build your house on. You decide wisdom isn't that important. You're gonna, in your marriage, you're going to build your, your, your marriage on something less than wisdom. You decide you're too busy, your career matters more, you're going to build your career on something that's not wisdom. You decide wisdom doesn't matter, it's not that important, and your money, you're going to build your money decisions around something less than wisdom. And whenever we build our lives around something less than wisdom, it doesn't hold up, not because wisdom or God's out to get you, it's like gravity, it just exists. You either align your life to gravity or you hurt yourself. You either align your life to wisdom or things don't hold up. We're going to talk more about that next week. But wisdom is not hidden, it's just hard. But the consequences of not living wisely are far, far worse. And so wisdom builds her house out of wisdom for the sake of wisdom. She sets her table. She sends her servants, not to the, the, the rich and famous. She sends her servants to all people, says, come, come, come and see, come and see. And so my question for you this morning is, where do you need to leave a lesser house? To take Lady Wisdom up on her lavish hospitality. Where do you need to step back and say, you know what? I'm working hard over here. I'm doing this thing over here. But I need some wisdom to bring order to it. Because I have some things going on that aren't quite adding up. That aren't quite coming together. Where might you need to leave lesser houses, lesser things. To take Lady Wisdom up. To come into her house. Eat her meal. And to grow up into wisdom. This past fall, I did a two-day sort of get away with a coach. The church paid for it, super generous. And uh, I, I just felt like I wanted to do like a major life inventory. So for two days, one-on-one, -on -one, all we did was put me under the microscope and kick over every rock. How's your marriage? How's your relationship with each of your kids? How's your money? How are your friendships? How's your spiritual life? What are the things going on in your life? What's going on in the past? We like spent like a half day just talking about my sort of life story, walking through all the themes and the threads. We kicked over every single possible rock, two days, one-on-one, -on -one, with a guy who had a very, who was very wise and had a very wise process that he walked me through over the course of two days. At the end of two days, we had a couple areas that needed to grow up in wisdom. We had, I needed to grow wiser in my finances, not that things were a mess or disaster, but I just needed a better plan for long-term savings, retirement, insurance, some of that stuff. So we needed to shore that up. And I needed some spiritual mentoring. Like I needed to find someone who's older and wiser than me in the faith. I'd had those people at points in my past, but I had a gap in that and it hadn't been filled in a couple of years. And so I left there with a the plan. I needed to shore up these two areas. So I met with a financial planner, financial advisor, got some things in place. That feels more settled, more at peace. And then 
uh, found a spiritual director. Uh, that I, actually, ended up being my coach who had a spot open up. And so he and I Zoom call once a month where we sort of open up my heart and open up the spirit and say, what's God doing in my life and how do I need to grow? Two days away may not be something that you can do. It's not something I would do all the time. You don't have to be able to do that to say, I need to step away from what I'm doing to work on it, not just in it. To be awake to what's going on in my life. Are there some ways I need to, I need to step away from my day-to-day -day work to step into wisdom's house for a couple days, feast on it, open myself up to it, and let wisdom do some correction in my life? What, might, what do you need to step away from in order to step into wisdom's invitation? What do you need to step away from? Do you need to step away from sort of barely getting by financially, not really paying attention to it, to attend to your finances, that wisdom might reign and rule in your finances, bring order to it? Do you need to step away from just vaguely not liking your job and vaguely dissatisfied to being really focused on what does it mean to be God's child, to do my work as a vocation? What does it mean to do work in a way that honors God and to understand what calling and how God wired me up? Do you need to not work around your marriage issues anymore? But go find a wise counselor or a wise program to attend to wisdom's invitation that your marriage might be built on God's wisdom. Most importantly, are you just kind of skating by spiritually? Yeah, kind of God stuff's in the background, not really that important, not really attending to it that much. You need to hear Lady Wisdom saying, this is the most important thing in the conference, that you know God's love, that you know who God is, what God has done for you in Jesus. What does it mean to live as a beloved person? What difference does Jesus' life, death, resurrection actually make in your life in real time? How might it shape how you parent? How might it shape how you are a husband or a wife? How might it shape how you're a student or a, a worker or an employee? How you live in this world into the next? What might it look like for you to take Lady Wisdom up on her invitation to step into spiritual wisdom, to understanding how God created the cosmos, why he did and what it means for you to take your part in his grand redemption story? Where do you need to take Lady Wisdom up on her invitation to leave lesser things, maybe unimportant things, maybe good things, in order to step into Wisdom's house, feed on what she has to offer, and to grow up into Wisdom? Throughout the Proverbs, Solomon and others who write the, the Proverbs are insistent that Wisdom matters above all, and that it is worth it for you to leave everything else, to, ch to chase down wisdom, to take wisdom up on her very public offer, to step into wisdom's house, to leave behind really good things in order to pursue the most important thing, God's wisdom in the cosmos. Here's how Proverbs 3 talks about it as we, uh, as we close with this passage. He writes this, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. She is more profitable than silver, yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can possibly compare with her long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor her ways are pleasant ways all her paths are peace she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her those who hold her fast will be blessed two phrases i want to highlight here one all her paths are peace that that hebrew word there's a word we love talking about here is shalom shalom is always translated peace but what it really means is flourishing like everything right everything well 360 degrees like Work-wise, financially, relationally, spouses, family relationships, everything, everything right. When, you, when, 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 when Hebrew people, when Jewish people today still greet each other with shalom, it just means the highest possible blessing. It means bringing order out of everything in a way that it flourishes and is good for 
you. All her ways are peace. We live in one of the most complicated times to be human ever, ever before. So much coming at you. And all wisdom's ways are peace, shalom, putting things in their place that you might flourish, that others might flourish around you. What does it mean to take wisdom up on her invitation to walk in, his, in wisdom's paths of peace? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? Wouldn't it be a, a, a tremendous sort of witness to our culture if God's people, Jesus' people, I'm just talking to committed Christians here. If you're not a committed Christian, then sit back and watch this. If you're a committed Christian, wouldn't it be wonderful if you were like a person of peace in an anxious world? Wouldn't it be different? Wouldn't it be salty and light if you were a person who was a non-anxious presence in this crazy, frenetic, anxious world? So much anger, so much anxiety. What if you were a person who's at peace with God? At peace with yourself? What if we were at peace with each other in the church? And what if we were at peace and blessing and wishing peace even for our neighbor, even our neighbor who hates Christians? We wish shalom to you because we know shalom. We know the way of peace. We're being shaped by the way of peace. We're becoming peacemakers. All her ways, all her paths are peace. Second phrase I want to highlight is that she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Tree of life. Now here's the thing. That phrase, tree of life, has not been used in the Bible in a couple thousand years. The last time we saw the phrase, tree of life, was back in the third page of the Bible, Genesis 2 and 3. God creates Adam and Eve, puts them in the center of paradise, beautiful garden, two trees at the center of paradise, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from that. Tree of life, eat from that, live forever. Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of evil, they sin against God, and God says, if you eat from the tree of life, you'll never die, and that would be miserable, because sin has not entered the world. So God protects Adam and Eve from the tree of life by putting a guard, a cherubim, a big angel, to guard the tree of life so that they don't touch from the tree of life. And the tree of life is silent for a couple thousand years, a couple hundred pages of scripture, never mentioned again until right here, Proverbs 3. Isn't that amazing? And here, in a poetic way, the writer of Proverbs says this, you get a hold of wisdom, she is a tree of life for you. Not that you live forever, obviously. But that life might flow through you and in you. God's abundant life. God's generous life. God's life-giving spirit flows in and through God's wisdom. Wouldn't it be a beautiful gift if people said of you that you were an abundant life kind of a person? Wouldn't it be great if you were a life-giving mom, dad, sibling, student, friend, because you had laid a hold of wisdom, and the tree of life is at work in you and through you, that God's life-giving spirit was upon you. Jesus said, hey, whoever trusted me, so, uh, whoever trusted me believes in me, out of, out of their belly, out of their belly, like their innest, inmost being will flow streams of living water. You get a hold of wisdom. It's a tree of life for you and all those who are around you to know the, the never-ending life of God. The tree of life was once guarded to protect us from it. Now, Lady Wisdom says, come, eat from this tree. Be a man, woman, who is a life-giving presence in the world and know wisdom's paths of peace. Today's wildly important take-homes. Let's gather the things together. First off, Lady Wisdom builds a house, sets a table, invites everyone to come and learn from her, to come and set, step in and be a part of this whole experience. Question number one, what's your house built on and what's your house built for? How might you move to consuming? 
more wisdom in your life? What are some ways you can set the table for wisdom to be more and more a part of who you are, how you live, how you relate as a family, whether, again, whether you're single, whether you're married, married with little kids, married with no kids, or empty nesting? What does it mean to have a house that's built on and for the sake of wisdom? Wisdom isn't hidden. It's just hard. <laughs> but the consequences of not living wisely are even Worse, more significant. Where do you need to leave lesser things, lesser houses, things that are important but not nearly as important as wisdom in order to take Lady Wisdom up on her hospitable invitation? The invitation goes out. It's public. It's invited. Everyone's invited to come and learn from Lady Wisdom. Where do you need to take her up on her invitation to become a man or woman of wisdom? And then finally, Lady Wisdom. All her paths are peace. She is a tree of life. Nothing, nothing, nothing that you desire compares with her come and see and of course jesus and all the rest of the new testament they they loved and knew sort of this person of lady wisdom is personified as this voice and when jesus comes he is the wisdom of god the wisdom of god who hangs up on a tree that's the wisdom of god that he would sacrifice himself on a tree for you and for me how do you overcome sin, evil, darkness, all the spiritual forces arrayed against us? Not through sort of this crazy kind of government plan, not through violence, not through whatever. He comes and lays down his life. Self-giving love is the wisdom of God, the unexpected wisdom of God. And so he invites you and me to entrust ourselves into his hands, to be people of wisdom, to walk in his way of peace. Come and see, come and see, come and step into as Lady Wisdom calls out to you. Well, Jesus, thank you so much for being the wisdom of God. Thank you for being kind to us and gracious to us. Father God, thank you for calling out, sending Lady Wisdom to cry out to us. And Lord, I pray for my friends who are here today who know that there's some things in their lives or some places where they need to hear Lady Wisdom's call to step in, to manage some things better, more wisely. Holy Spirit, would you come and give us a soft and teachable heart? Lord, I pray for our households, again, whether we're single or married or little kids, big kids, no kids, whatever, Lord, would our households be built by wisdom for the sake of wisdom? Would we be people, families, households that are growing up into the wisdom of God? Lord Jesus, would you give us a hunger for wisdom, an appetite for wisdom, a love for wisdom? And Lord Jesus, we are here to declare that you are the wisdom of God personified, put on flesh, wisdom put on flesh. We bless you, we worship you, we praise you. We pray that our church be built on the wisdom of God in Christ and that we would be a people who leave here to declare the good news. God's wisdom has put on flesh to save all of us. We ask, Lord Jesus, that we be a church that worships and celebrates and delights in the wisdom of God poured out for us in Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to be these people and to live this way, to walk in the way of wisdom. We ask in your strong and mighty name. Amen.